Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 222. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. In this session, we'll begin our study of the book of Isaiah. Uh, but before we get into Isaiah, we're about to enter into the last section of the Old Testament known as the prophets. So what is a prophet anyway? A lot of people think that a prophet is someone who predicts the future, you know, who's going to be the next president of the United States or who's going to win the World Series next year. That's not typically how uh, we understand the, the term prophet. A prophet is a spokesman of God to a leader, typically. Uh, either uh, speaking words of encouragement or speaking words of what needs to change, etc. Not necessarily a predictor of future events. So an example of that in modern times would be, you know, if you have an accountant and he looks at your spending patterns and says, you know, if you keep spending the way that you're spending, you're going to run out of money by the time you're 42 years old. Um, you know, things of that nature. In other words, the, the prophet looks at a pattern of behavior or actions or results and says, if you keep going down this same path, this thing is going to happen to you. Okay. So does that uh, debunk the idea of prophecy a little bit for you? Now, having said that, these prophets many times made predictions, just like the one I gave you, the example of the accountant, made predictions that did, in fact, come true. Uh, just like, you know, if you're a parent and you say, son, if you keep drinking all the time, you're going to lose your job. You're going to, uh, uh, you know, end up in jail or penniless, etc. And then these things, these things happen. Okay. So, uh, that said... Sometimes these prophets were more or less appointed by the king, sort of like a cabinet member, you know, so the king might come to the prophet and say, so what do you think we should do next? Uh, what's God telling you we should do next? Other times the prophets are self-appointed and they just say, hey, king, I got a message for you uh, from, from God. Okay. That said, let's dive into the book of Isaiah. Now, this book is exceptionally rich in terms of uh, New Testament quotations. In fact, there are about 85 quotations in the New Testament that come just from the book of Isaiah. Now, don't worry, we're not going to go over all 85 of those. But in fact, I will send you, as part of the uh, key points, written part of these lessons, I will send those to you. So if you want to take the time, and I encourage you to take that time and look up uh, these quotations, uh, you, you will see um, how often the book of Isaiah is quoted in the New, the New Testament. So if you're ever on Jeopardy and somebody asks you a question, what are the two books of the Old Testament most quoted in the New Testament? The answer would be Psalms and Isaiah. But we will get a, a picture of the coming Messiah from Isaiah. The other thing to keep in mind when we talk about prophets in, in the Old Testament is that they will many times have a near-term fulfillment 
and then a future fulfillment with the time of Christ, and then perhaps even another uh, future fulfillment in terms of the, the end times or when Christ is going to come back the second time. So be aware that uh, we, we take the literal meaning as we do with all of Scripture, but we also look to see if, if, if there is a further fulfillment in the prophecy. And that is certainly going to be true uh, with the book of Isaiah. So having said that, we'll get started with the book of Isaiah. But uh, even before that, I should let you know that most contemporary scholars feel that the book of Isaiah is actually three different books by three different authors. And they feel that primarily because of the time frame of the things talked about in the book. Okay, so you might want to make note of this in your margins. Chapters 1 through 39 are typically considered one book, and that is uh, represents the time frame between about, uh, let's say, 740 B.C. and 687 B.C. And that book is about the time when the Assyrians were uh, wanting to attack uh, Jerusalem, Judah, the southern southern kingdom, and it's also during that time that the northern kingdom fell. Okay, so that's one book. Now we skip about 150 years to the second quote-unquote book of Isaiah. It's all in one book if you're looking in your Bibles, but make note in the same margins at the uh, introduction to Isaiah that you have in your Bible. Uh, chapters 40 through 55 generally deal uh, uh, the period of about 540 B.C. to, let's say, 537 B.C. So in other words, uh, book two skips about 150 years after the end of the events of book one. All right. And this collection of uh, chapters 40 through 55 deal with um, Jerusalem's, or, or I should say even Judah's, war uh, and uh, capture by the Babylonians. So the first book was about the, uh, the struggle with the Assyrians, the southern kingdom of Judah's struggle with the Assyrians. The second book is about the, uh, the southern tribe, the, the Judah, which includes Jerusalem, being, over, uh, being overwhelmed by the Babylonians and then taken into captivity in Babylon. So it, uh, chapters 40 through 55 are, uh, include the, uh, uh, you, you know, the, the time of, uh, would have been written in Babylon during the captivity. Okay. And then the third book is, write this in your, in your margins, in your introduction to Isaiah, chapters 56 through 66 were, was uh, about the period from about 537 BC to 500 BC. And it deals with uh, the, the people after they are allowed to come back to Jerusalem and build the walls and so forth. So the reason it's thought to be three different books is, hey, if it were one author of all of this, 
the guy would have had to have been around for about 200 years to see all of this uh, all of this happen okay so now we got the historical part out of the way for the most part and let's dive into the the text itself so unless you're driving uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 1 uh, he says that uh, Isaiah prophesied during the uh, days of, he mentions uh, four kings, you can see in verse one, and those four kings, you can look them all up in Second Kings and Second Chronicles. So if you want a little primer on these uh, kings, you can you can look them up uh, as we as we discovered in Second uh, Kings when we discovered them. Okay, but the to set the stage, uh, the people are in distress in Jerusalem because the uh, the Assyrians have have come to uh, to lay waste, if you will, to take over at Jerusalem, and they've already. Uh, or they will with it within the lifetime of the writer, they will take over the northern kingdom of Israel, you know, the 10 northern tribes, okay? And they will haul a lot of those folks off to, uh, to Assyria. Um, bottom line is the, uh, the northern tribes actually were in a civil war with the southern tribe. And the northern tribes sought, um, uh, Judah, the southern tribes, participation in a war against Assyria. And uh, the southern tribe, Judah, the king said, nah, you know, I think we'll just pay Assyria tribute instead, and then that way we will avoid a war. Bad decision, because Assyria keeps gobbling up whatever they can, can uh, gobble up. But anyway, so Isaiah's the prophet, and he, he talks about Israel's sinfulness in Isaiah chapter 1. We've forsaken the Lord. Um, but then in verse, uh, that's in verse 4, we've forsaken the Lord. And then in verse 9, another good one to underline is, unless the Lord of hosts has left us a scanty remnant, we'll become as Sodom. So uh, that's quoted, by the way, if you want to write in your margins, in Romans chapter 9, verse 29, write that next to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9. And then you cross-reference it, and when you go to uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 29, write in your margins, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9. Okay, I'm not going to read you all 85 quotes, okay, but I'm going to pick some as, as I go along. Now, uh the the Lord says through Isaiah in verse eleven, "What care I? What care I for the number of your sacrifices? I've had enough of whole burnt rams and fat fatlings." And so, so some of your Protestant friends might say they might even use verses like this and say, "See, God is saying I don't want all these sacrifices, including the sacrifice of the mass. Uh, you know, Sunday should be just for like Bible studies and stuff, and not." Uh, recognizing the sacrifice of the mass. Well, later we will see Isaiah says, hey, to put this in context, Isaiah says, hey, I don't want your sacrifices if you've forsaken me. If you're just going through the motions, but you're living your life like hell, 
I don't want any part of your sacrifices. That, that is hypocrisy, okay? We'll see that later, later on. Okay, um, here is a, a verse dear to me as he's telling the people, number one, how they've sinned, but number two, what they should do in the future. I'm a member of the Knights of Columbus. And the Knights of Columbus, uh, one of our primary goals is to defend widows and orphans. So you'll see why the last part of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 uh, speaks to me. It says, make justice your aim, redress the wronged, hear the orphan's plea, and defend the widow. Okay, set things right. Um, though your sins, uh, the, the Lord says in verse 18, though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as snow if you are willing and obey. So apparently obedience has something to do with uh, your standing with God, right? It's not just faith alone. Verse 19, if you are willing and obey, but if you refuse and resist, the sword shall consume you for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So uh, and need I say more about that? Um, anyway, so he talks about Zion, uh, which is uh, Judah and Jerusalem. Zion um, will be the messianic capital. And uh, he's looking forward to a future day when, uh, you know, all nations will, uh, will come together, if, if you will. And that, that will ultimately happen in heaven, right? I mean, in, in heaven, there will be no nationalities. There will be no wars uh, because, uh, uh, you know, God, God is not going to play favorites except that, um, you know, you're either with him uh, and, or, or, or you're not, okay? You've either chosen to walk with God or you've chosen to walk against uh, God. Okay. Uh, then he, he talks about uh, covenanting with strangers in chapter 2, the end of verse 6. And that is exactly what his king, which was King Ahaz, does here. He says, you know, uh, Ahaz had said to Assyria, I'll tell you what, we'll just keep paying you this tribute and you l you'll let us in alone, right? Right, uh, Assyria? And Assyria says, oh, yeah, sure, just keep paying us that tribute and we'll leave you alone. Well, uh, Assyria attacks Jerusalem um, and um, almost takes Jerusalem. But they are saved by a miracle, which, we will, which we've already talked about uh, in 2 Kings. But um, uh, yet Israel will not be out of the woods yet because then they will have to face Babylon and Babylon will get the best of them. Okay. Uh, he talks about uh, arrogance of men in chapter 2, verse 11, if you feel like underlining it. Um, um, so he, he, he says uh, that he talks about haughtiness in chapter 3. So ask yourself on an individual basis, are you arrogant? Do you think you don't need God? Are you haughty, as in chapter 3 here? Uh, you know, you, you think you can kind of get away with, with anything. Um, do you think that uh, your, you, the things that you own will save you? Um, Isaiah has a bit to say about that in verses 18 through 21. 
all of that stuff is going to go away, right? So this is this is not a new message, if if you uh, if you will, so far. Um, and then I think I want to move on to uh, the idea of a vineyard in chapter five. He compares. Uh, he, he talks a lot about the vineyard of the Lord. Uh, and uh, he, he, Jesus, of course, used a lot of images of a vineyard, right? And uh, now, in, in, interspersed in chapter five, I found a good index card for uh, that you might want to put on the pillow of a college student. Uh, hopefully it won't apply to them, but maybe you can give it to somebody else. Look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11. Woe to those who demand strong drink as soon as they rise in the morning and linger into the night while wine inflames them. With harp and entire timbrel and flute, they feast on wine. So wine, women, and song, right? But what the Lord does, they regard not. The work of the hands they see not. So stick that on an index card and put it on your son's pillow if, in fact, he is, uh, uh, you know, afflicted with that disease common to college students who go away to college. Here's one for our time here. Chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Boy, we got a lot of that today, don't we? Uh, we talk about abortion as pro-choice. We talk about uh, abortion as a woman's right to choose. Uh, or we talk about it as women's health issues. No, it's not. It's not good. It's evil. It's abortion. It's the killing of life. God's most precious gift to us. Okay. Because uh, without life, we can't, you know, we can't attain uh, salvation, right? We can't work our work work through all of this, not that we work, not that it's works alone, but that we, we cannot discover uh, a relationship with God and thus be saved. So a lot of people call, again, I want you to underline this verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, okay? And uh, so, I think this is probably a good stopping point. We'll pick up next week on, uh, next time on chapter six. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I think we can all be prophets in some sense of the word. We hopefully know what's right from wrong. We hopefully know what's good and bad or evil. And, uh, so I think we all have a gift of prophecy in the sense of seeing if we see people continuing down a bad path, it would be appropriate for us to gently and in a time-sensitive way uh, approach them and especially approach our own consciences with, uh, with what needs to be fixed here. We want to walk with you. Uh, we, we don't want to uh, trust other powers as uh, Judah does with Assyria, and uh, we, we need to get right with you. So uh, give us the, uh, the grace and the temperament uh, to, to uh, seek, at least, to uh, walk with you further and to trust you more. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.